My friends, it's the beginning of August as I record this, and I can't help but think about how fast summer goes, especially here in the Pacific Northwest. We wait all year, well, you know, I do, (laughs) for summer, and it's finally here and gone in a blink. This year, we don't have a, you know, summer bucket list. We aren't trying to do all the things. We in the Marsh family are doing everything in us to just be slow and to slow down, to be boring. Oh friend, I need more boring in my life. We are learning to say no and not right now to a lot of really awesome things we love because we know we need a whole lot more margin in our lives than we have right now. And if you've been around the show for a while, you know this last year has been a trip, to say the least. And if I'm really honest with you, my entire life has been quite a ride. Jeff and I have ridden the roller coaster of life together for the last nine years as a married couple. As our counselor tells us, someday we'll have a book. But for now... I get to let you all in on just a little bit of my life here on the show. We have lived in a whole lot of chaos the last few years. Much of it was out of our control, and some of it probably could have been avoided. And you know what I'm realizing in this season? You can't really do all the things and have all the things. But isn't that the lie our culture tries to sell us? Work harder, be smarter, hustle more, push, push, push. Just create a little more content. Just be a little more consistent. With just a little more drive and motivation, there's nothing we can't do. Right? But I don't really believe that. Well, we certainly in our family didn't have the framework in our marriage or our family life to sustain the level of crazy we lived on a regular basis. And so... Jeff and I are learning to create some really healthy routines and rhythms for our family. Something, believe it or not, we've never really done. For many reasons, it just didn't happen in those early years of our marriage when it probably should have. God has created this beautiful pause in our lives in this season. Have you guys ever experienced a season in your life where you feel like the Lord just hit the pause button, like you came to a screeching halt? One of those seasons where the Lord says, look around, sweet girl, look at what I'm trying to tell you and reroute yourself and do it now. You might have missed all of the warning signs, but now, my dear, here's your opportunity to redirect yourself before you steer yourself into a place you really don't want to be. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I certainly have. So here we are doing the things we feel like the Lord is asking us to do. And you know what? It's not glamorous or exciting. And you know, sometimes that feels a little scary to not be doing anything super cool. But the more steps I take in obedience, the less scary those But the more steps I take in obedience, the less scary those steps become. And the more they start to feel like I'm stepping into peace. 
I have to tell you something. I recorded this episode with Chelsea four months ago, and just in this last week have I gotten around to editing it. I was listening to myself in this episode literally speak to my heart in the very season I'm in four months later. It stopped me dead in my tracks to hear my own voice telling me everything I needed to hear today in this moment. First of all, I mean, how sweet is the Lord to speak right to my heart in that way? He is always pursuing us, my friend. And second of all, these last few months have just been so much. Story of my life. (laughs) I had been planning to slow way down in the fall and take only one birth doula client a month and get caught up on life and the podcast and all the things. But you know what? the Lord had other plans for me and my family. In June, while attending a birth, my son had another scary allergy attack. And if you've been around for a while, you know our journey with that guy. And if you haven't been around, go back and start on episode one and work your way here. You guys, the Lord stopped me so clearly. It was such a clear and defining moment for me. Through sobbing tears on the way home from that birth, I knew I needed to take a good, long break from attending births. There's just no margin for error with Indy, and my family is too important. And as I came to grips with the reality that for now, I'd be laying down this part of my job that I love so, so much. You know what I heard the Lord tell me? He said, Elise, I want to give you everything that you want. Just trust me. And so, as I sat editing this episode, I heard my own words tell me to have an open hand, that all the Lord is asking us to do is open our hand. So I'm praying with everything in me today, Lord, put into my hands whatever it is that you have for me and take away that which I'm not to hold on to. And you know what's crazy, friends, is watch out. You pray those prayers and it will actually happen. You speak those things over your life and they will happen. And never as we think. I'm living proof of that right now. I'm entering into a season where I'm peeling everything back. And when you open your hand and let something go, you realize just how tightly you are holding on. You guys, we are aiming for boring in the Marsh household for the next six weeks at least. And every day, I tell that achievement monster that tries to get out in front to quiet down. I'm keeping the plain things the main things. I hope I can give my Jesus, my husband, and my kids the best parts of me in this new season. Would you join with me this week and take a good look at your life? Ask yourself some hard questions. Who's getting the best parts of you? Where are you spending the most time? Where are you spending your time? And where are you spending your money? Because that's what's going to show you where your heart is. Is there something you need to lay down or let go of? What are you holding on to too tightly? My friend, It's all the Lord's. We just get the privilege of stewarding his stuff. 
today on the show, I chat with Chelsea Matley. I was Chelsea Tula about 18 months ago, and I've had such a great time getting to know this girl. Chelsea is a follower of Jesus, wife to her husband, Kevin, mama to her baby girl, Evelyn, and just an amazing human being. She's a freelance makeup artist born and raised in Seattle, Washington. She loves the Pacific Northwest, film, music, watching the birds on her bird feeder, reading books with her baby, watching reruns of The Office, and finding new recipes to cook. She's pretty cool, right? And you're going to love her and you're going to appreciate our honest conversation today. We chat about their trial of infertility, overcoming challenges in their marriage, being a working mom and her breastfeeding journey. Go follow this girl on Instagram while you're listening at Chelsea Matley. Here we go, my friends. Hey, Chelsea, thank you so much for chatting with me and coming on the show. I'm so excited, one, to hear your voice because you're amazing, and two, (laughs) to hear about your life right now. It's been a long time. I know. I'm so excited to chat with you. Thank you. Okay, so tell everyone kind of who's Chelsea Matley, what does your life (laughs) look like, what's kind of your daily rhythm. We want to know about you. Sure. So um, I like... Elise said, my name's Chelsea, and I was born and raised in Seattle. I currently am a freelance makeup artist. Um, I used to work retail, but now over the last six years, I think it's been, I've branched out into my own business. So I uh, do makeup for fun things like weddings and photo shoots and makeup lessons and pretty much anything that you could want help with for makeup. I'm your girl. So I do that and I am a stay at home mom ish kind of on the weekends. I work and on the weekdays I'm here um, at the house where I am right now. So I've got my little baby girl, Evelyn, and we hang out at home and play. And my husband, Kevin, he works from home. So we're super lucky. Our schedule is like really flexible. He's at the house. Um, He has a sweet audio studio in the back. Um, He's a film composer. So he's at home. I'm at home. We're hanging with the girly. Um, I kind of just take jobs here and there. Um, My family, most of my family lives in Illinois and Kevin's family all lives in like California, Idaho. They're kind of spread out. Oregon, So we're kind of like the lone family members here in Washington. (laughs) So we have uh, really had to create our little family of friends up here, especially like having a new baby. Right. Um, So, yeah, we try to spend time with our friends as we can and try to get to church as it lines up with Evelyn's ever-changing nap schedule. (laughs) Right. I know. Um, But, yeah, it's we have a really fun life. It's just it's just hanging out with Evelyn hanging out with each other, working here and there, fun projects, and just kind of um, figuring things out as we go. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, so tell me how you – I mean, you seem busy. Um, At least that's what social media would lend itself to believe. Um, But tell me how it's been kind of like going back to work, kind of jumping back into freelance makeup stuff. I mean, I – 
I've yeah. been around weddings a smidgen, and I know it's like an intense kind of yes. place to be, especially if For you're sure. thinking about pumping or, you oh know, all that jazz. Yes. So how has yes. that been kind of jumping back into freelance makeup work, and how does that fit into your mom life? It, um, it's been really good. I would say, so she was born January 2018. I worked through my pregnancy. Um, my season ended, like the busy season ended in the fall, late fall, winter. So I had was just starting my third trimester, I think, when I had my last wedding, which was great. Um, and I had kind of booked up 2018 pretty full. Like in my mind, I was just kind of like, I'm just going to work. And I kind of, I didn't plan any weddings or take any jobs that would take me very far away. Sure. I kind of, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to travel, but I don't think I even like considered pumping and nursing. (laughs) You're like, oh (laughs) yeah. Yeah. There were a few weddings where I did bring my pump and I was trying to like make it work. Um, but it was kind of nice. Like the wedding season really starts amping up about May. Okay. So Evelyn was five months or so when I kind of went back into what I would consider like my busy work. Hmm. Um, when she was really little, I just had a few jobs here and there where I would go and do makeup for a friend or go do like a one hour job just or yeah. had people come to me. So, and you know, they sleep so much in the beginning, it was a lot easier. But yeah, when she hit like five months, and I'll talk a little bit more about this later, but when our nursing kind of journey was like at the peak of its weirdness, right? <laughs> I, I like had to jump back into work. And so I definitely had to tote my pump along, definitely missed her. I was like leaving and just crying Aww. and being sad <laughs> that I was having to leave. I definitely didn't take into consideration like what that was going to feel like for me. I was right. kind of just like, I'm going to need it. I'm going to want that time away. And then it came and I was like, I can't wait to go home. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now I feel like I am more into the, like, it's nice to have like a couple hours to myself. On, like if I'm driving somewhere yeah. and it's nice to go talk with like adults and like go be creative. Um, but yeah, that first year of her life, uh, it was a little harder adjusting yeah. and like just being away and trying totally. to figure out like the guilt of like being away. And I totally trusted Kevin like to hang with her and that he loved it, but I definitely missed them. And this year, yeah, it's, it's just such a challenge. Like you feel kind of pulled both directions, but this year I really have tried to, as I looked at my summer schedule, be super picky with like where I'm going, how many people I'm doing makeup for, um, I'm not breastfeeding anymore, so there is some freedom there. Um, but I've, like, been able to really reach out to, like, my other makeup artist friends and be like, do you want to split this job with me? Like, yeah. do you want to help me? And really just saying, like, I don't need to be doing makeup for eight people. Like, and just, right. like, by the end of the day, I'm so tired and hungry and sore. <laughs> like, I just don't need to. Like, yeah. I, I just don't need to. So I've been more picky. I've been a lot more picky with, like, even just – when I get emails from people and kind of seeing what their personality is like mm-hmm. and what, how they communicate and just saying like, I'm not going to set myself up with somebody that seems 
really entitled or seems really high maintenance. I really want just like nice people, like (laughs) sweet people, kind people. I know. It's like, who's my ideal client? So when you're nice. (laughs) Right. Just someone that I'm I'm like, okay, I'm taking this time to spend away from my family and Mm -hmm. I don't really need to. So I have, it has to be with someone that I'm going to enjoy. (laughs) Oh, totally. Yeah. I've just tried to be more picky this year. Yeah. No, that's so that's so important. I remember when my kids were littler. I think they're still small, even though they're probably not. <laughs> but when they were littler, I was like, okay, if I'm going to be leaving my nurslings and my husband, right. who's probably going to be a little stressed while I'm gone, like it better like this better be worth it. Like right. we're going to I'm going to love my clients, yes. love this experience, um, give my all. And for there was a lot of years where I. I kind of I considered myself a full-time mom and I just did this thing, like this mm-hmm. thing that I did. And it really took me a while to be like, no, Elise, like you are a small business owner. Yeah. You need to recognize that you're running a business and take it seriously and yeah. not feel badly for – because I just – I had a lot of guilt too when I – especially sure. when the kids were little and I would be gone for, oh, goodness, like – 30 hours or something there would be (laughs) moments where I was just like crying and missing my kids and be like I just want to go home and you know be at a really challenging birth and thankfully not all births were like that and not not every (laughs) every year was (laughs) like that but it is hard you definitely have this guilt factor of leaving your littles and Mm -hmm. making sure you're okay and I just felt like a bad mom a lot of times, but loved my job so much. And for sure. so it's, it was a really funny balance. And now I feel like I'm six years in and I'm finally <laughs> feeling like, all right, like I'm going to work for four hours and I'm going to come home to my kids and I'm going to be totally present and invested in them when I'm with them. And I'm going to be cool. totally present and invested in my work when I'm there. And I'm not going to yeah. feel bad about that. Right. And That's the thing. that has been such a journey. I, I mean, a lot of that has to do with Jeff, too. He's great at being like, whoa, lady, like mm-hmm. <laughs> you're a little out of whack here. Let's find some yeah, balance. Yeah, for um, sure. But yeah, that's awesome. So tell me a little bit about you and Kevin and your marriage and kind of your story and mm-hmm. um, how your relationship has just changed and grown over the years and kind of brought you where you are today. Sure. Yeah. So we met in 2008. He had moved here um, from Santa Cruz, California. He was he left in... the sunshine for yeah, us. I know. And now he's regretting it. <laughs> uh, not regretting me, but the sunshine. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, so he moved here from California. He was in a band and uh, he was a guitar player. Ooh. And yeah. So, you know, A plus right there. So um, their lead singer was friends with my roommate at the time. They had gone to college together. So he, you know, emailed her probably and was like, we're moving to Washington. Like, we don't know anybody. Come to our shows. Like, we need support. We need fans. We need to sell tickets. And so I was all about, like, the music scene in Seattle around 2008, 2009. And so, of course, we were like, yes. We will come to every show, and right. we—that was kind of how we met. Um, I think he was dating. I think he had a girlfriend at the time. I was just kind of like, you know, we just became buddies. We were like friends with all those guys, um, and 
I think it was maybe like a year later, I was actually playing and singing in a band as well. And he had started doing some music production and was recording. And Okay, hold on. I didn't know you like were <laughs> musically inclined and talented. Chelsea, you yes. sing? <laughs> I do. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I th- yeah, I, I don't like kind of lead with that. but I don't of, lead with that. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I sing and I think at the time – the band that I was in, I was playing, oh, I don't even want to say it. <laughs> Do it. I was playing the xylophone. That's amazing. The, like the glockenspiel. It's like, it was just like an indie little like folk band. They actually like, this is another conversation, but they became really big. And, uh, but it was, it was fun at the time. We just were doing open mic nights and stuff. And um, Kevin was like, if you guys ever want to use my space, like I have this, practice space if you ever want to like put some music down we can record it um so we just kind of started spending some more time together and like sure i'll record this for this cute boy who oh my gosh for sure offering me this lovely space yes i will come and stare at you (laughs) but that was kind of when i started noticing him and i think we started noticing each other and just like becoming friends and we started kind of spending time hanging out in groups and kind of as you do, hanging out in groups. Um, we started going to church together. We had both been in like a phase of our life where we weren't really attending church. I had like moved out of my house and was living on Capitol Hill and I was just doing like the arty thing. And um, he had moved here and started going to church at a church that we both had wanted to check out and were curious about. So we started going and um, we'd sometimes get together for coffee, like, beforehand or after service. we just, like, kind of continue to hang out. And I don't know. I was just – we were observing each other. And I just really enjoyed him. Like, I enjoyed him. He he had a lot of interesting things to say. And we just had good conversations. And I think what happened was that I had planned a trip to New York. And I remember, like, really wanting to make sure that I sent him a postcard while I was there. And that was the (laughs) first time that I was like, I think I like him. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And he had no idea, you know, that I felt that way. I was really, really good at, like, hiding my feelings and found out later, obviously, he was doing the same thing. You know, (laughs) we Mm -hmm. both liked each other. And I had kind of promised to myself that I wasn't going to pursue the guys anymore I'd had like really bad luck in that department of just like kind of falling for my friends and just mm. not having those feelings reciprocated and so I was like really nervous and cautious and I didn't want to like ruin the friendship by like becoming weird so right. <laughs> I just kind of like kept it to myself and he had decided that he didn't want to live in Seattle anymore and he was going to head down to Portland and in my heart I was just like no like we shouldn't be apart. Like it just felt like really wrong. And I was like, what is this that I'm feeling? Like it was, I was just shocked. So I think it was like the week before he had planned to move. He like kind of obscurely asked me to like go grab a drink or something, something like that. So uh... Yeah. And I was like, Oh no, he's probably going to tell me like, I hope I didn't lead you on. I like, I'm so glad you're my friend. Like, 
I right. was really like preparing. You're in the friend zone, Chelsea. You're not seriously. getting out. <laughs> seriously. And that wasn't even like a term back then, but that was like my life. <laughs> oh. So I was like really waiting. I was like preparing for that. And that night, like we like had a drink and we were kind of getting ready to leave and he hadn't said anything. And I was like, okay, this is weird. And we were like literally walking to our cars, I think. And he was like, I like you. <laughs> just kind of like, <laughs> I really like you. And I was like, okay, I like you too. Like just, okay. Band-aids off. It's He's my out. buddy. It's out. But like, what is it? It was kind of weird. And he had to like restate like, no, I like you like more than a friend. Like <laughs> I, I'm interested in you. Like I want to pursue you. And I was shocked, like wow. literally shocked because I'd had so many years of that not happening. So I was really stunned that things were like going in my favor. <laughs> so after that, we were like, it was like full speed ahead. He moved to Portland. We both like fell super hard and fast. I was going to Portland like every weekend to visit. Um, and later we kind of, after talking, you know, after we got engaged, which was about a year and a half later, I think it was, we both were like, I kind of knew before we started dating that you were going to be like my person, that you were going to mm. be that person in my life that I wanted to marry you. And just from kind of observing and growing that friendship and uh, dating long distance was just for a couple months. And then he decided to come back. <laughs> he job. came back and he was working for the same company that he was at when he left. They gave him his job back, which was really great. Um and he decided to also like go freelance with music and we got engaged and married I think we got yeah we had a four-month engagement <laughs> nice um which was great we were like we I dated long enough too. yeah it's just like you know it helps you to not have to like think through your wedding too much right. and like change your ideas so we had a short engagement we had the sweetest little apartment in Ballard like right by the locks. It was wonderful. And it was great. We had our first year and a half there. I think in Ballard, we lived with my sister and her family for like a year while we were saving for a house. And then I think we've been, we're almost going on four years in our house now. Um, we bought a house. On, we signed our papers on my birthday, which was mm. fun. We bought a house and now we... We live in Shoreline and we love our house and our community around us is awesome. And it's, they've really held us up through a lot of stuff. I mean, we're going to talk about it later with some things about getting pregnant, but I mean, we, we've gone through a lot together. It went from like really fun and like no big deal to like serious really quickly. And mm. then you know, like the only thing we fought about ever in like dating was that we weren't engaged yet, you know, yeah. <laughs> like when are we going to get married? <laughs> yeah. So like we just didn't have issues. We didn't have problems. Everything was really fun and light. And then you get married and then you're like, oh, I live with this person now yeah. and things come out and or you go through trials together. And I think now, you know, I would say I know him so well so much better now yeah so sure. much better now I I appreciate him so much more now and I really really like just enjoy him and even though we've gone through some tough things 
that have been really challenging. Like I just, I, I love, I love our story of just how (laughs) hard and fast we fell in love. Hmm. Uh, But I love that it's like, it's been, it's sustained itself. Like it has some, there's some backbone, even though like it was, I remember talking to my mom about wanting to get married just like a month or two into dating. And she was like, you need to pump the brakes. (laughs) (laughs) Moms are good at that. Right. And I was like, no, I love him. And she was like, calm down. (laughs) Yeah. So it is kind of nice. I'm glad that, that I didn't, I mean, I guess I would say I'm glad that we weren't wrong in like knowing that like we were going to be each other's people. Totally. Okay. So you talked, you talked a lot about like challenges and things that Mm -hmm. you guys had kind of been through and grown through. Can you share with us what are some of those challenging seasons and trials that you guys have walked through together? For sure. I think, um, just in thinking about challenges in life in general, there's like one thing that comes to mind and that is our story of just trying to get pregnant. Mm. Um, we had like, everything was really fun up until we started trying to get pregnant. Like we had no issues really. Um, and you know, along with the challenge of just trying to get pregnant and just kind of the disappointment of each month going by and not being pregnant, you know, that starts to bring out other things in your relationship of just how you, communicate how you uh experience your trial how what it brings out in you and how you kind of like help each other how to how you support each other so I think in general we spent almost four years trying to get pregnant we had no answers we had nothing you know wrong with us when you look at like results or test labs Um, and we were doing everything right we were like tracking we were like really trying to like get our fertile window. (laughs) Um, And we had so many people praying, like we were really inviting people into that. Like we wanted people to be involved and it just wouldn't happen. Like we, we did not know what was going on and we both really had a heart to have a family. And so it was super frustrating and it was really painful and just confusing. Um, And it caused a lot of doubt in, kind of what was God's role in what was going on. It caused a lot of division between Kevin and I, I think because we both struggled in such different ways Yeah. Um, and we needed such different support, but we also needed support from each other and we were both broken. Right. So, and hurting. Yeah. We, we just couldn't, we could not lift each other up, up. We couldn't, and it really wasn't each other's job to do that fully. So there was a lot of pressure, I think, I probably put a lot of pressure on Kevin to support me and he never put pressure on me, but I'm sure he felt like I have to support Chelsea. So there's no room for what I'm feeling. Right. 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 So that was just, it was just kind of a dark, depressing time kind of walking through that, even though we did have a lot of support. um, We had a lot of prayer. We, um, it just felt like everybody around us was getting pregnant. Like everybody. Doesn't it always happen like that? <laughs> it was the worst. And it just like, I don't know, like even just being intimate, like wasn't even fun anymore. It was just like, all right, well, here's my tracker. We got to go. get down like, to business. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it just wasn't fun. And even like taking pregnancy tests became like a chore. It wasn't even like exciting anymore to find out because I just kind of always knew it was going to be a negative. Mm-hmm. So 
I went through like moments of taking time off from tracking and trying and we kind of went on and off of, of really like paying attention yeah. and took some breaks. Um, but I think, I don't know. I think that's pro- that was probably the biggest trial that, that our relationship had had to endure because it was just kind of all fun and, and games and just great, you know, it was just great. And so that, I and think, then kind of real life hits you. Right. And you're not like fully equipped to figure it out. And I don't think that we like suffered in the sense of like, no, I won't say that because I think everyone's level of suffering is different, but it was just, it was dark. There was yeah. some really dark times. We, there was a lot of depression and just a lot of distance between us um, and just a lot of confusion. Yeah. So how did you yeah. guys kind of move out of that season? Like, was it just pregnancy? I'm I'm assuming it wasn't just like, oh, we're pregnant. No. Everything's better. No, thank God that. I mean, because we know pregnancy was, doesn't fix right. things. No. And that was like one of my biggest fears. I was like, I don't want to make this such an idol that like all of our joy and health is like relying on this thing because hmm. it's just not the truth. Um. But we had gone to visit – so my brother and his wife got pregnant, and we had gone to visit them in Illinois uh, in the spring. And, I, you know, I won't say it was like a transformative event that happened, but just through a lot of prayer and and kind of devotional study on my own, I was working through some healing and just waiting. Um, but we were there in Illinois, and I remember – my sister and I were like really into fitness and we were just getting healthy and I had been going to like acupuncture and I was just kind of like feeling like I was in a better headspace. Yeah. Um, because you know, through the whole thing, I knew, I knew I needed to give it to the Lord. I knew that I needed to, to entrust our story to him. And I knew that I needed to rely on him, but it was obviously very hard. Um, but I also knew that there were some things that I needed to work on in myself as far as just like my own mental health, mm-hmm. my my physical health. Um, and they so go my, together, your right? mental health and your physical health. Oh, you can't separate them. Sure. Yes. So my sister and I were like really into fitness. I was on this trip. I was like doing my workouts even on the trip and I was feeling good. And um, we had attended my brother's home church there and just were really encouraged by the sermon. And I got home. And we had our community group in our backyard around the fire pit. And I remember them just asking us, like, how the trip went. And they were so good about, like, checking in with us. And we had really a lot of freedom to share, you know, where we were at in our journey with infertility. And I remember them just kind of asking, like, where do you guys feel like you're at right now? And I just felt so much peace. Hmm. I don't even know. I can't even explain, like I said, that it was one thing. And I, yeah, I still wanted a baby. I still wanted to grow my family, but I felt like whatever it's going to be like right now, it's okay. Right. It's going to be okay. Whether that's adoption for us, whether that's another year of trying, we hadn't done any like fertility treatments. So we hadn't done like IUI or IVF, but we had talked about it a little bit. I just kind of felt like just this piece of like, it's okay. Like God is holding this situation in his hand. Like, whatever his will is, is fine. Um, and it was just, <laughs> it was very, it was a total God thing. Like, he just, he really helped me 
in that moment. And also my sister-in-law had shared with me um, Psalm 121, which talks about, it says, I'll lift my eyes up to the mountains from where shall my help come from? And it talks just about like who the Lord is, that the Lord is your help, that he doesn't allow your feet to slip. Mm. He keeps you. Mm. He will not slumber. Like all of these beautiful things um, that just talks about the Lord, like guarding your soul and just protecting you. And that was super encouraging to me. And I had probably read that psalm before. It just, she shared it like a really good time. And I think it just kind of spoke to my soul. And um, I don't know. I just, I feel like that, I mean, granted, like, we found out, like, a week later we were pregnant. That's awesome. <laughs> and it was, like, I think I had gone through, like, another Mother's Day at church that I was mm. really, like, sad about. And then I found out later that I was pregnant. Like, oh. so I had been pregnant. So, yes, getting pregnant, like, really did. It made things really exciting. And it was such an answer to prayer. But I think that I feel really good that I had like a small moment of peace before we got pregnant right because I was I was really nervous that I was putting too much emphasis in making pregnancy an idol and just was really nervous that I was thinking that pregnancy was going to solve all of our problems right Um, I think we can do that with so many things in our life like we can just have this close tight-fistedness about anything in Mm -hmm. our life whether it's our finances (laughs) our job our friends our husbands or whatever and I think all the Lord is asking us to do is just to open our hand and have this open hand with everything the Lord gives us Mm -hmm. even like this podcast I was like God you (laughs) this what you have for me like I just want to have an open hand with anything or my Mm -hmm. job and like anything it could be a baby it could be a house it could be anything right. I think he's the just future ask- like right. anything he's just mm-hmm. asking us to open our hand and say Lord yeah. like put into our hands whatever it is that you have for us and right. take away whatever we are not supposed to hold on to mm-hmm. and it's easier said than done but right I definitely agree that's like yeah the tighter you hold on to something I mean you can feel that feeling when you make a fist it, right. it's tension it's like yeah. You ha- and when you let go of that fist, even just your hands feel better, you know? Right. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> so you guys get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Your marriage is kind of in this new season. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your birth. Give us a brief kind of summary of your birth, how you felt about your birth, mm-hmm. how that kind of changed you. And, you know, let's talk about your postpartum story too. But let's sure. start with your birth experience. What was that like for you? Oh, my birth experience. I have I have so many feelings about it still, like a year later. It and sticks with you. It I don't does. think people realize like how formative oh my gosh. your birth is. I know. Sometimes I think I want to have another baby just so I can like do have like another birth. Just yeah. so I can like Oh, go I know, it. sister. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I want another crack at that. <laughs> um but I mean if I had to describe how I feel about my birth amazing like it was it was crazy um but you know there is a lot of of feelings like wrapped up to get to that point I think but um I think my so my labor was I want to say it was around 20 hours um I started having contractions at home in the evening um and I wasn't even really sure like 
that I was in labor for a long time. I, I don't know if I was like in denial or if I just expected things to feel like so much worse in where I was at. Um, plus, I feel like my contraction patterns were like kind of all over the place for a long time. Um, so I labored at home. And I, like I said, <laughs> in my mind, I was going to have you like come to my house right. and hang out. And I was kind of just like, I don't know, am I just kind of like having like these cramps? But they were definitely like starting to get worse. But it was weird. Kevin and I were still like going through our little pamphlet that you like gave us <laughs> and like going through my notes of like, is this like, is this a contraction? Is it like, what's happening? So I remember... I remember calling you around like four and you were like, you should head to the hospital. Like contractions are close enough together. You guys should just head there. So I remember getting there. I want to say it was around like four thirty or five. And I kind of see my labor in like snapshots in my mind. Yeah. Like I kind of go like, okay, I remember getting to the hospital. I remember like being in a billion positions. <laughs> <laughs> That was me. Sorry. <laughs> like, uh, no, it was amazing. Like, I, I have a friend that um, I remember she had a home birth and she told me, like, I stayed in one position the whole time. And I really think that that made my labor a lot longer. Mm. And so I kept trying to think of that every time you would have me move. I was like, OK, OK, because <laughs> moving is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> like when you're Sometimes in you one zone. Don't and then want like, to. No. Um, so, yeah, I remember being in lots of different positions. I'm trying to think. I remembered, I remember being in the tub, which I thought I was really going to like, and I actually hated it. (laughs) I think before I got to that point, I was like, the tub is going to feel so nice. Like, and I think when I got in there, I was like, I don't feel stable. I like, I just remember feeling like, I don't think this is for me. Yeah. (laughs) And I know so many people like love the tub. And I was like, this is going to be my Zen moment, but I think that was one of the things that I was actually surprised by was some of the things that I thought that I maybe would have wanted or would have been helpful didn't turn out to be kind of the thing Mm. that was helpful or that I wanted. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I feel like labor was so much more mental than physical. Yeah. So much more mental than physical. And I'm even learning that now, kind of getting back into a fitness routine. Like one of the things that the one of the trainers on the video that I do, she says, you know, your your mind is your uh, mind is going to give out so much faster than your body is actually going to give out. And I was like, that is like labor. It really my mind. I just I never really felt mentally like in control like even from the beginning like when I left my house I never felt like here's my plan you've got this you like I never felt like I got in front of my pain and like confronted it I felt like (laughs) you were just fighting it I felt like I was fighting it I really do and I feel like I prepared as best as I thought that I could but there was something about like leaving my house and going to the hospital like in that transition I felt like and I think you've said this before or maybe I don't know I think a lot of people have said this you kind of get to the hospital and things just start happening around you and it's distracting and you kind of you're kind of just aware of things that you wouldn't be aware of if you maybe would have stayed home Mm -hmm. a little longer Mm -hmm. um and so yeah I felt like my pain was kind of in control of me and it was so hard to surrender and accept like 
that it was happening because I'm just like a planner. I'm like, I want to know, like, how's this going to end? How many more contractions do I have? Like, I need my countdown clock. Yeah. And (laughs) And you just got to get out of your head. You have to. And I think, like, if we do have another baby, that would be, like, my best advice to myself is just, like, get out of your head. Mm -hmm. Like, now you know that that's not helpful. (laughs) Right. Shut off that thinking brain. It is not going to help you in labor. It is. And it is hard. I mean, and I, I think that even just goes back to like the infertility story of just like anytime you think that you can be in control, like it's just better to not. <laughs> right. So I remember that. I remember just feeling like I cannot get, I cannot get like my hand on this. I cannot get to my Zen moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think I remember going into it and thinking like, if I need an epidural, that's fine. I don't really want to get one, but I'm not going to like, and I think this is actually kind of dangerous for my, for me, for my personality. I I maybe would have done better if I had like made a decision and said like, no, I'm not going to get one. I'm going to fight for it. Or been like, yes, I'm going to get one. Right. You're (laughs) just always kind of teetering on the edge of one way or the other. Yes. And then when, when it's finally presented to me of like, okay, I remember I pushed for like, I think I pushed for like two hours and I was just really struggling. I was really having a hard time and I just felt like, okay, I've been pushing. She should be here by now. You know, I was hearing like little mentions of like meconium and like cervical lip and just like things that I didn't yeah. really know, like how it was affecting like what was happening. And so I just, I remember you and Kevin, like, just being so supportive of me and so helpful and encouraging and just being like, I think that you're suffering. (laughs) I think it's okay now. Like, if you want to get an epidural, you should get one. Like, my my pushing was just not effective. I couldn't even, like, figure out how to push because... I was having these contractions at the same time, basically that I just could not, could not get in control of. And I remember like Kevin coming over and being like, do you want to get an epidural? And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and even though I had gone in really thinking like, I don't care if I get one, I still felt like guilty. I Mm. felt like guilty that I wanted one or that, that I even like, gotten to that point like where I thought like I'm pushing she's gonna be here like any minute but no so I remember just having to kind of like just be like it's okay it's okay yeah like absolutely get your baby out now like yes you know so I remember um making that decision and just feeling you know a little bit of guilt just kind of disappointed in myself even though I didn't think that I had put any pressure on myself no one was putting pressure on me to like keep going without it but I just felt like guilty I don't know it was weird but then I got the epidural and then I didn't feel guilty anymore (laughs) (laughs) 
I feel so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's this difference, right? We talk about that, the difference yes. between pain and suffering. And if you're right. coping and yes. you're managing that the yes. intensity of labor and you're and you're doing really well, there's no need for pain no. medication or no. interventions or things like that. But when you're not coping and you're struggling and you feel mm-hmm. out of control and you can't get ahead of it and you feel like right. this out of body kind of I'm not in control of what's happening to me and you're in this weird mental space or this scary mental space Mm -hmm. then that is a perfect time for an intervention like you know a narcotic or an epidural or nitrous or whatever it is and Mm -hmm. it's really helpful oh yeah and I remember the whole mood of the room just like changed I think I was like laughing about my pedicure we were Mm -hmm. talking about makeup like it just like it was like chill but also, it was awesome because I could still feel everything. That, I got, like, the best kind of epidural, I think. Yeah. I could feel everything. I just couldn't feel any pain. And that was the thing. I was so nervous that I wasn't going to be able to feel her come out or that I wasn't going to be able to feel, like, how I was pushing. And that guy, he gave me just, like, a light epidural, I think. I don't yeah. know. It was kind of awesome. It was awesome. Because he just, yeah, I, I felt her come out and I could feel, like, what I was doing. And it was just, like, oh, this is oh, I can still, I'm not like totally numb. And it was great. And when she came out, it was just like everything. It was just like magic. And I remember you saying like, open your eyes, open your eyes. She's here. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's here. Like give her to me, you know, and they're so great. They just like gave her right to me. And she just looked like a little jellyfish. She was like, <laughs> so cute. She just had these like glassy dark eyes and she was all swollen and oh, she was so slippery. And I just, oh, it was like everything was gone. Like all the pain. Yeah. I mean, you see why people keep having babies. Like you just <laughs> <Right>. forget. You <laughs> forget. <laughs> you forget. It goes to it, a different part of your brain. Yes. It just goes, tucks away and that just goes away. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. It was it was such an amazing feeling just to finally have her and to be done with labor was great, but it was just, oh. Yeah, you get a baby after all that. It's so yeah, great. It was magic. Awesome. So share with us a little bit about your breastfeeding journey and kind of your mm-hmm. postpartum experience and kind of what what that's been like for you because now Evelyn's, what, 15 months Ish. Yeah, she's almost – yeah, she her birthday's the end of January. So, yeah, 14 right now. 14, yeah. yeah. Oh so getting close. Yeah, she is – she's amazing. Uh, postpartum was um, – you know, I, I wouldn't compare it – it's hard because you want to compare it to other people's situations in order to have, like, a, a word for if it was normal or hard or easy. But for me, um, there were definitely moments that felt super easy. I was like, she's sleeping. She's great. She sl- she loves to sleep. This is sweet. Um, I don't. I didn't have like a super colicky baby. She didn't cry a lot. Like she was very chill. Um, so in that way, I feel super blessed. Like that part of postpartum was super easy. Um, we had friends like bringing us food. We had people just like really come into bat for us and like really helping us out. Because like I said, my family's not here and. Um, I was nervous, like, how am I going to do this without my mom? How am I going to do this without my sister? And my sister did come to visit for like a week, which was awesome. Um, But honestly, the hardest part, and it still sticks with me today, like emotionally, was breastfeeding. It was so hard. And I don't even think the action of breastfeeding was hard. I just never had enough milk for Evelyn. 
no matter what I did. I went to the classes and I saw specialists and I emailed like Jack Newman and like, <laughs> you did all the things. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean that was and that was hard. I, I did I ate everything I was supposed to eat and drank all the water and you know took all the supplements and pumped and I don't know. I still don't know like to this day if it was like a hormonal problem that was happening with me because I did have some hormonal issues even just with our infertility. Um, with PCOS, I don't know if it was that Evelyn had like a late diagnosed tongue tie that we found out, you know, months later that right. she did have a tongue tie. And Which so can there totally was that. affect your milk supply. Right? Oh my gosh. Those first three days, just like barely taking any milk out. Hello. Yeah. Like now, now that I know, I'm like, dang it. Um, so that was hard. That was really hard. It was really, it was sad. And then you already have like your, you know, your hormones are already out of whack you're really sensitive and just tender and so then you're like I'm starving my child I I can't even do this right you know and so you know she went in I remember she went into the pediatrician I think it was day two or day three of life and she had lost too much weight for their comfort and so they immediately wanted a supplement but no one like talked to me about supplementing at the breast they were like just give her a bottle she's starving you know just not Which very is sensitive. so sad because there's so many other alternatives. I know. Like, I wish that I had, like, a, like you with me or somebody that would be like, what about this? You know, like a, right. like a doula that can come with you, like, the three days after your baby. Do, yeah. <laughs> well, they, they do have those. They're called postpartum doulas. They oh, do okay. exist. Um, so they, there's the thing oh but gosh. I know it's hard sometimes I'll like get a text from someone and I'm like you know after they've made a decision or had yes. a conversation with their pediatrician and sometimes I'm like oh no. you guys you guys <laughs> like if you just would have had opportunity <laughs> so yeah we had her on on formula um and breast milk within a couple days and she was so uncomfortable and just gassy and sad and oh yeah just it was it sucked it really it was awful um but then I had a friend that was like I have some breast milk from my daughter like I know it probably sounds really weird if you want it you can have it and I was like huh that's a thing and so and I think you had sent me a little bit of information about milk sharing and yeah so eventually we got her on donor breast milk and I was pumping extra and I was probably nursing her like half and giving her like half donor milk. And after she had her tongue tie clipped, she did have a couple days where I felt like, Oh, this actually, maybe she's going to nurse better, but it kind of just went back to how it had been. And, and mm. I was at that point, like I was on a good rhythm of like partially bottle feeding and partially nursing. Um, but believe me, I had still had my days where I cried through, giving her bottles, just feeling so sad and just guilty and like, why is this happening? Um, but I think even aside from all of that, like postpartum in general was, was wonderful. I mean, you get to cuddle your baby, you get to watch him sleep, you get to like watch the office and this is <laughs> us on Netflix, like <laughs> people are cooking for you. So, I mean, that part was wonderful. We had so much care. I, I just think the hardest part was just worrying about her eating and worrying yeah. about her weight and just desperately wanting to breastfeed and just all the research and just feeling, like, so much guilt on top of not enough sleep and just, like, right. hormones. It overwhelms um, you. 
yeah, you just feel like, is there something more you can be doing? Is there something else that you can try? And I think someone said to me, I don't remember who it was. And I don't, I mean, it's such a blur now that kind of changed the trajectory though. And they said, Evelyn needs a mom that is just okay. Like Evelyn needs a mom that's essentially like doing okay emotionally more than she needs your boob. Like she needs you to be okay. She loves you. She's going to bond with you regardless. There are other things. There are other ways. She just needs your smell, your scent, your, your touch, like your voice. Yeah. Like she needs you you to be okay. Yeah. And so that I think helped me. And I think a lot of moms, some moms don't care. I mean, it's fine. Whatever you, however you choose to feed your baby. Well, that's great. Feed your baby. Some moms, I don't think feel the guilt. Some moms feel a ton of guilt. And so I think it was good for me to talk to other moms and just like see. And I remember my mom saying, this is like one year of her life. Pretty soon she's going to be eating like corn dogs. And you're going to (laughs) be like, why was I crying about milk? (laughs) Yeah. So I did, I had a lot of support and I mean, Kevin, God bless him. He, you know, had to <laughs> go through watching me struggle so hard and guys just don't really get it. So, yeah. well, it's different too. I think as moms, like we become our kids advocates and we yeah. become their voice in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it's our job to research and to do everything we can to make, de- I yeah. mean, I would say any mom out there is going to become an expert on their kid and they're going to research sure. whatever it is you. Yes. It is that their kid has, and they're going to do the best they can, um, right. you know, to help their child thrive. And I think that's right. where you were. And for the first time, you're feeling this pull of being responsible for someone other than yourself. Right. And that's right. a big part of it, too. You've never it experienced is. that in your life before is really being yes. like, okay, this is this is my responsibility. And obviously, right. we, we have to give a lot of that to the Lord because otherwise we're just going to crumble. Um, for sure. And God's got to have our kids first. But I think there's this natural like sense of, oh, this is on me. Mm-hmm. And I think that can really change and can find a lot of freedom when we give a little bit more of that to the Lord than we were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a good word. That's so true. Because yeah. they do. They just send you home with a baby from the hospital. And you're like, <laughs> well, now what do I? Okay, I have to keep her alive in the right way with the perfect thing, you know. <laughs> Totally. You do have to, you have to do that their whole life, I think, or you'll drive yourself crazy. Yeah, it doesn't end when they're littles. It just keeps going and there's something new and different, whether they're teenagers or 10 or 7. I mean, it's just, it'll be something else, but we always have to go through this heart check of having that open hand with our kids Mm -hmm. too. You know, Mm -hmm. it's always about, okay. All right, God, I'm going to do my best and I'm going to do my due diligence. And you, Lord, are responsible for the rest. Mm-hmm. And you're responsible for the outcome. And I think it sounds like you learned a lot of that in your breastfeeding oh, experience. Oh, my goodness. Yes, for sure. Especially now being somewhat removed from it. Yeah. For sure. Totally. So, Chelsea, share with me a little bit. What do you feel like the Lord is really speaking into your heart in this season as you, you know, you have a toddler and mm-hmm. you have an awesome husband and you're a freelance makeup artist and um, you're kind of in this kind of new season, probably a little yeah. bit more independence as you're not nursing as much anymore and breastfeeding what do you feel like the lord's really kind of kind of speaking into your heart i was thinking about this question a little bit uh, when you send it to me um 
And I think one of the first things I thought was like, oh, this is a hard question because I don't want to like disappoint people that are listening. (laughs) (laughs) There's no disappointment here. I know. I want to have like something encouraging to say. And I do feel like what I am going to say is the truth and encouraging. But I do think it has been a really dry, tough season spiritually, for sure. Like we all want to say like God is like speaking over my life. He's being it's really clear like what he's what he's doing, like, I feel really encouraged. Um, but I also know, like, it's super hard to know, like, what God is speaking over your life when you're not, like, actively pursuing him regularly and, like, getting in the word and being in prayer. And I feel like when you have a new baby or a toddler, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to, like, stick with those spiritual disciplines. It's really hard to, um, come back to your Bible and, like, be in prayer and, get into like a good devotional or like sometimes even attend church regularly because it's everything is revolving around your baby. So I think even as I was thinking through this question, I was like, man, I had to really pray about it and think about like, what is God doing in my life Mm. right now? What is he saying? What is, what is he speaking over me? Um, because I think it's, I've felt a lot of guilt over just spiritual laziness, um, because of all that God has done for me. Mm. Like he, he, you know, answered my prayer and gave me this daughter. He answered my prayer and gave me my husband when I thought I was going to be single for the rest of my life. (laughs) You know, he's done so much for me and you, it's easy to feel this like guilt over I'm not in the word regularly, or I don't feel like my prayer life is really good, or I'm not getting a women's Bible study or whatever it is, but that's not an accurate view of the Lord. Right. And maybe that's what he's showing me is he, he, loves me and he has so much mercy and so much grace and he's so faithful that even when I like step away or not even step away actively even when I have moments where I'm far or just lazy or busy or just where he's kind of on the back burner it feels like he's there he's always there and he's so patient and loving and he's teaching me to be more like that to my child and to my husband and through his grace and mercy it shows me like oh Chelsea you need to be more merciful you need to have so much grace and even um, at this sermon that I heard I think it was a week ago at my church our pastor was talking a little bit about marriage and he described um, a phrase or he said a phrase that his wife kind of uses to describe what she thinks is one of the most important things in marriage. And I'd probably say the same for life is that you just want to pour buckets of grace out. Mm -hmm. And I remember you saying this to me, even in emails about, you know, postpartum is just grace, grace, grace. Mm -hmm. And so I think right now the Lord is totally showing me areas of my life that I need to grow in areas of my life that I need to work on and change and dig deep in and get counsel in. And at the same time, he's showing me places that I can give him where I can rest and have peace and just have grace on myself. Um, and so I think that is probably what I would say. He's, he's just showing me how to be more like him in watching and seeing like how he feels about me. Yeah. Which that's is so just, good. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love it. I think 
kids change our relationship with the Lord in, in a mm-hmm. really beautiful way, in a way that sometimes we don't always expect. And, you know, especially if you've had this kind of routine, quiet time or time of the Lord on a regular basis and your, right. your time or with the Lord looked a certain way, whether that's, mm-hmm. you know, your Bible reading or your prayer life or whatever it is. And then kids come and just kind of throw a wrench and all of that and you're up all yeah. night and you're like but wait am I still seeking the Lord even though you know my time looks different and mm-hmm. and it's like yes I think we can get caught up in this like black and white legalistic kind of view of our relationships right. with the Lord and it's so much more than that and it's the gospel is just you don't have to do anything you don't have to right. do anything if you never had a quiet time that looked like sitting (laughs) down with a coffee and a bible and a journal for an hour every day if you never had that again that would never change the way that the lord sees you yeah or how it changes how it feels about you and it is just blown my mind the times that i am just overwhelmed with the presence of the lord are so bizarre and random Mm -hmm. like there's not (laughs) these times that i have like specifically set out to like meet with the Lord or journal or pray. It's like, you know, walking into Mm -hmm. an exercise class or sitting in my car, waiting to pick up my kids from preschool or they're over there like being just crazy and loud. And I am just on the couch, like just having this moment with the Lord and and playing (laughs) worship music in my house all the time and just creating this atmosphere. Yes. Yeah. It's music is so helpful. So helpful. And it's so different. And I just, before I was chatting with you, I recorded a podcast um, with a gal named Jessie Aradia and she has an online class um, called Moms in pursuits and it's all about moms with little people um Mm. figuring out ways to create moments and times with the lord in this crazy busy sleep deprived season and you're not the only one that's awesome (laughs) yeah you're not the only one so i'm gonna send you i want to text you um her class and her podcast and she has these great little short podcast episodes to just get little um bits of the word in your ears that's awesome it's amazing i think the grace piece that comes along with that is the Lord is so faithful to take your little and make it mm-hmm. a lot. You know, he's going to take, if you've got five minutes, he's going to use that five minutes and it's going to feel like you were with him in an hour, you know, yeah. different things like that. Like he is going to take whatever you have for him and he's going to bless that. And yeah. it's just, it's a wild season and it changes the way we think um, <laughs> about the Lord, but I think it's so good. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think that, I think having a kid just, it, it enables you to, there's another part of you that gets to kind of be worked out and just totally. worked on and grow and stretch. And I think that that just helps you to become closer. It helps you to become closer to your spouse. It helps you to become closer to the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Chelsea. So before we go, what um, is one thing that you couldn't live without as a mom right now in this season of your life? I hate that I have to pick one thing. <laughs> okay, I'll give you – okay, you can have one and two subsets if you need. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, that's perfect because I have three things. Okay, have, great. Give me your three is, things. Like, directly related to Evelyn, which is a white noise machine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Preach. <laughs> that thing – oh, she sleeps so well, and I honestly think it's because of that – I've had it since she was an infant. One time the power went out and I like shot out of bed and I was like, <laughs> uh, the second thing has saved every piece of clothing that Evelyn has had, which is the Puracy stain remover. 
<laughs> wow. Okay. It, I have tried OxyClean. I've tried Shout. I mean, I have tried. I don't know if I'm supposed to say brand names on here, but it's fine. Um, this Puracy stain remover. This is not an ad. It is <laughs> magic. No one's getting any money from this. It is magic. It gets out blueberries. It gets out. Wow. And, I mean, the hardest things you can think of. Some of her cutest clothes. I'm like, well, might as well throw that in the garbage. No. Oh goodness. This stuff. It's amazing. Okay. And then for me, high-waisted leggings all the way. Oh, yeah. So good. Okay. What's your favorite <laughs> brand of high-waisted leggings? Um, Right now, I would say the ones that I have been loving are just the Old Navy. They're like the high-waisted compression, like yes, seven, eight leggings. But also this brand Girlfriend Collective is great. Okay. They're like – they're so great. They have the coolest colors, the best materials. I want to say they're made with like recycled bottles or something. Amazing. And they're an all women owned company, which is really cool. Yeah, I love that. Um, imagine if you had to do postpartum in low rise jeans. Terrible. I can't, Shoot like, me now. <laughs> I don't even know. Okay, I saw a thing on the internet the other day that was like a funny meme, and it was like, I have a legitimate fear of low-rise jeans coming back into style. And I was like, this speaks to me on so many levels. I would have major muffin top syndrome and it would be very sad. I don't even, I don't even know what people did when they were pregnant in like 2002. I don't know. Okay, super funny. This just reminded me. Okay, so my when I got pregnant the first time, my mother-in-law saved her maternity clothes no. for me to wear. When I was pregnant. What a sweetheart. She's great. She's she's a saver. She's changed her ways a little bit in the last six years. <laughs> but and she's like, would you like to wear these? And I was like, let's just say not the most flattering. No. Okay? She's like, no, I think I'm okay. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Much. That was like – I want to say that was like the generation where like having maternity clothes was just like tent the area. Right. It was like just everything. Just make it as wide as your Ponchos. widest point. Yeah. <laughs> Overalls. So bad. <laughs> so great. Like overalls are kind of coming back. They're coming style, back. Though. I've seen some cute maternity overalls, though. Yes. They're, I don't know that I could do it, but they do look good on the Instagram people who wear them. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on the show and spending time with me. Oh, you are so just welcome. a joy to chat oh, with. Oh, thank you. I had such a good time chatting with you. Friends, so good. I love Chelsea. Don't you just love how open and honest she is about her relationship with the Lord? We need so much more of this in our lives. That friend who encourages you to know the Lord better. I've got all the links to all of Chelsea's favorite things over on the show notes page. So don't forget to head over there and check it out. The leggings she loves, the sound machine, the stain remover, and an amazing devotional for those ladies in a season of waiting in their lives. Are you pregnant? Are you ready for birth? Are you the person who's totally freaked out? Are you avoiding preparing for labor because you're so nervous and you'd rather just not know what you're walking into? I can promise you, my friend, you'll be thankful you prepared and knew what was ahead of you. The shock and awe factor is not your friend when it comes to birth. It's just not cool. Head on over to yourbestbirthcourse.com and check out the course. There are a few sections you can demo totally for free. I promise you it's going to be amazing. 
enter the promo code podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at checkout for $50 off the cost of the course because I like you and I'm thankful you're listening to the show. Thank you so much for listening today, friend. Head on over to my show notes page, elisemarsh.com slash podcast for bonus content and photos and links from the show. You'll find ways to connect with Chelsea and myself over there. I also want to encourage you to join me over on my Patreon page and consider partnering with me to support this show. I wouldn't be here without all of you listening. Head to elisemarsh.com slash Patreon to learn more about how you can get involved. If you enjoyed the show today, would you take a screenshot of you listening to the show and go share it on your Instagram stories? Tag me in the story so I can say, hi, I want to know you praying for you today, friend. I'll be chatting with you soon. Have a great week.